Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we continue our Patreon pledge drive with part five of the McCormick Matter from yours truly, Johnny Dollar. If you already support this podcast, thank you. If you don't, we hope to change your mind with a month of bonus episodes, Patreon previews, and special releases like the one you're about to hear. In a departure from our usual recording process, all three of us are listening to the story for the first time. Not only that, we're listening to it together and recording our thoughts immediately after hearing each episode. In this way, you'll get our real-time reaction to the story's cliffhangers, plot twists, and final resolution. We're also releasing episodes daily, allowing you to enjoy the story in its original, serialized format. So now let's listen to part five of the McCormick Matter from yours truly, Johnny Dollar, first aired October 7th, 1955. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. From Hollywood, it's time now for Bob Bailey as... Johnny Dollar. Ready with your party in Hartford, Connecticut, Mr. Dollar. Go ahead, please. Hello, Mr. Barth. Yes? This is Johnny Dollar. Johnny, what's up? Now, listen carefully, Ed. I've just been shot. What? Oh, it's nothing serious. I'm backstage at the Elmar Theater in the Bronx. Johnny... I'm all right. Now, listen to me. I got a tip from old Mike Cairn, a convict, that a man named Joe Panny might have had something to do with the McCormick case a few years ago. Yes, a jewelry case, $100,000. Well, Panny's been murdered. I didn't get a chance to learn anything from him... But I have learned that Panny's ex-wife is married to Julian McCormick. You've uh, contacted our New York office? I've been trying to get your man Frank Porter at his home, but no one answers. It's going to be pretty nasty for Allied Casualty if she plotted with this Joe Panny to rob McCormick. Yeah. Do you want me to wait and let Frank Porter handle it? Uh, No, no, no. You go ahead. If somebody's throwing bullets around, they'd better be stopped before... Oh, well... By me rather than Frank Porter, huh? Okay. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Allied Casualty and Insurance Company Limited, Markham Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures incurred during my investigation of the McCormick matter. Item 11, seven dollars and a half, one bottle of scotch, which I sent the stage doorman out to get while I was calling Ed Barth at Allied Insurance. Apparently everybody in the neighborhood thought the exchange of shots between me and somebody in a long black coupe were backfires. It was the doorman who dragged me back in the theater. Uh, you got yourself a boy now, mister. Ah, uh, it's just a graze. Oh, 
I sure don't get you. Corner insurance people are not police. Somebody fires a gun at you, call the cops. Have another drink. That's the way it's easy. Hey, hey, where you going? You should see a doctor. Later. I went back outside in the alley where the shooting had taken place. Ten minutes of looking around, and I dug a pair of 38 slugs out of a telephone post. Expense account, item 12, $4.35, cab fare, Elmar Theater to Long Island. It was 12 o'clock straight up when I got to the McCormick home. There were no lights burning, and apparently everyone had retired for the night. I checked the garage first. A 55 Cadillac convertible and a four-year-old Jag. No warm motors, no black coupes. I went to the house. Oh, it's you. Hello, Mrs. McCormick. No, no, please. Please don't come in here. My husband... Oh, please. I don't know who you are, but I remember meeting you at the hotel the other day. I'm Johnny Dollar, an insurance investigator. Insurance? Oh, well, there must be some way we can fix this up. Talk to me tomorrow. I'll meet you somewhere. How can you fix up murder? Murder? What are you talking about? Joe Panny's dead. Your ex-husband. He was shot with a twenty-five, Just like the one you swung at me at the hotel. Oh, no. <laughs> you want to tell me about that? All right, I'll tell you. Joe was your husband once. You helped him rob this house five years ago. He couldn't have done it alone. He wasn't that slick. He wasn't that good. He could steal a car, but a safe lock's different from ignition. Well? Yes. Yes, I helped him do it. He made me. He promised me if I helped him, I'd never hear from him again. I opened the safe for him. But you were down to see him at his hotel the other night. You searched his room. Searched his room? Yeah. Well, I don't know anything about that. He called me, said he wanted money. I didn't know where he'd been for these last few years. Up the river. Oh, well, he wanted money. Only he wasn't there when I went there. And I was. Yes. And the gun? I went down there to kill him. But I didn't see him. Not then. Later somewhere. I haven't seen him at all, I tell you. Just talked to him on the phone. I I don't suppose it'd make any difference if I told you I had a good reason. If I told you I loved my husband very much. Not likely, in view of the fact you helped your ex-husband rob him of $100,000 worth of jewelry five years ago. Oh, I can explain that. Joe came around when we got back from our honeymoon... It's an old story. My past isn't all it... Well, anyhow. Joe threatened to tell my husband about it, unless I gave him money. I didn't have any, so I opened the safe for him that night. It was all I could think to do. Yeah. Then you split with him later on. I told you, I haven't seen him. Why would I want to do that? I have everything I want in life, right here. Mostly my husband. Well, it's still a police matter, Mrs. McCormick. I spent a long time looking for you... Maybe you better get your coat. Iris, you remain exactly where you are. Julian. And so will you, Mr. Dollar. Julian, you heard what I said. Don't worry about it, my dear. Mr. Dollar, I'm a gentleman, but this is a gun. I noticed, a thirty-eight. I got a couple of slugs in my pocket that came from it. Stand over there. Now, this is pretty silly. You can put that thing away and we can settle this the only way it can be settled. My wife has told you the absolute truth, Mr. Dollar. She's innocent of any wrongdoing so far as I'm concerned. Is that clear? It's pretty glib, McCormick. She's accessory to a $100,000 heist, and she hasn't done anything wrong. If she wanted to give them away... To an ex-husband. To anybody. That was her affair. I would not press charges. Well, that takes care of you. How are you going to square it with allied casualty in the state of New York? 
And you also forget a little matter of a dead man. But I haven't forgotten you, Mr. Dollar. Julian, please don't. I've caused enough trouble, please. Calm yourself, my dear. This is the least I can do for you after what you've done for me. Just being my wife. Mr. Dollar, will you accept money? Not enough for murder. Fifty, uh, hundred thousand? I'd hate to kill you, Mr. Dollar. You tried once tonight. You've referred to that before. But you weren't very good, and now you're even worse. You forgot to take the safety off that gun. The safety? Oh, you've killed him. You've killed him. Ah, he's all right. Get out of the way and let me see that gun. (laughs) I wasn't interested in either one of them for the moment. I was looking at the 38 i I'd taken from Julian McCormick. There was a smear of cosmoline still inside the barrel. I sniffed it, checked it, found all chambers loaded. It was a brand new weapon, and it had never been fired. Expense account item 13, five dollars and a half, cab fare again, this time from Long Island to an apartment in Queens. The man I wanted to see was Allied Casualty's man, Frank Porter. He lived in a very polite neighborhood. Uh, That's apartment 203. But Mr. Porter's not in, sir. I'll wait for him. Yes, sir. It's all right if I sit in your lobby, isn't it? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But uh, I'd prefer that you waited somewhere else. You would? Well, this is a rather exclusive apartment building, sir, and we don't like people uh, loitering in the lobby. Well, I'm on a pretty exclusive mission. But uh, you don't like the mud on my clothes and the tear on my coat, huh? Are you a friend of Mr. Porter's? Yeah. Good friend? He wouldn't mind if I waited in his apartment, if that's what you mean. No, sir. Impossible. But a couple of bucks can do wonders sometimes. It was quite a layout. Books, pictures, furniture, and whatnots that make living at home pretty agreeable. I propped myself up on a stool at Frank's little bar, poured myself a drink, and sat there waiting for him. I was like that a half an hour later when he showed up. He looked a little unsteady on his feet. Well, gee whiz, Johnny Dollar. Hi. You're the last person in the world I expect to see. I'm glad to light and let you in. I didn't think you'd mind. No, not at all. I tried to phone you earlier tonight. You were out. I'm sorry. Chief whiz, what's on your mind, Johnny? I wanted to tell you I was shot at tonight. What? I wanted to tell you I found out who Mrs. McCormick is and was. Since you were on the case first for Allied, I thought I'd tell you first. Well, gee whiz. Say, this is a nice setup. Full of nice things. Yeah. I've been in places like this before, Frank. They usually start at 300 or better a month. Good maid service, phone service. All those things cost money. A lot of money. Don't they, Frank? Gee whiz. When'd you tumble to it, Johnny? A little while ago, when I was out on Long Island, Julian McCormick made me a proposition. He finally offered me $100,000. A lot of money. He sounded like he'd had experience making propositions. I should have tumbled to it a couple of days ago when you phoned the parole office after I left you. You used my name when you asked for Joe Panny's address. Yes. I wondered if your tip was on the right track. I didn't figure Joe Panny was eligible for parole so quick. I had to get to him before you did. He wasn't the kind to keep his mouth shut. You shut it for him, didn't you, Frank? Mind if I sit down, Johnny? Now, go ahead. 
They'll be strapping you down one of these days. <laughs> Gee whiz. No hundred and a half a week investigating claims by nice places like this. It was one of those lucky things, Johnny. When I was called to Long Island to investigate that heist five years ago, I met McCormick's wife. Happened to recognize her as Joe Penny's ex. And you knew McCormick was in love with his wife enough to pay you to keep quiet. I gave him service for his money. The cops would have broken that case in 24 hours, but I covered up all the tracks I could find. And I made it real safe by seeing Joe sent up the river. How? <laughs> Just tipped off the cops to some of his hot car deals, and they picked him up. He happened to be carrying a gun, so he got to works. Then you just sat around drawing blackmail from McCormick. Gee whiz. Don't look at me like that, Johnny. Every guy has his price. How about you? <laughs> That's the second offer I've had tonight. It's a good one. Joe Panny was a dumb guy. He picked up that jewelry and went right downtown and plucked it in a safe deposit box. He's been sitting there all the time he was up the river. Still worth... Sorry, Frank. You sure? I'm sure. Chief Whist. Chief Whist, Johnny, you are a good dick. You don't buy off. I just wanted to see, I guess. Sure, Frank. Well, do we go in quietly? You'd be surprised, Johnny, how quiet. You better dial for an ambulance if you want me to go to the trial. What? You, you were good in that alley back of the theater tonight, Johnny, when I tried to knock you off. Followed you all night looking for my chance. You you nicked me twice. Dial a doc. Quick, quick. Gee, whiz, it hurts. He died right there, without saying another word. The disposition of the case and what to do about Frank Porter, an insurance adjuster who goes bad, is a matter I don't have to handle. And I'm glad. Expense account, item 14. Hotel and board in New York City. $79.30. Item 15, $84. Legal fees and incidental expenses involved in locating the widow of Mike Cairns, who it seems is still alive somewhere in Iowa and will accept half the reward as promised. Item 16, $14 even. Transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $265.91. Remarks? Gee whiz. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star, Bob Bailey, to tell you about next week's story. Thanks. Next week, the story of a ship, the Molly Kay. Destination? Davy Jones Locker. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. That was episode five and the final episode of the McCormick Matter of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We're all kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of pieces. Yeah. Not 100% right, but I want to give credit to Tim, episode two. Picking out the insurance guy. I think it was episode one. It was, actually, yeah. Episode one, yeah, fine. I didn't stick to him all that fiercely, but... No, but you were right, and uh, Joshua figured, oh, she's now the wife of the McCormick. I got nothing right. 
<laughs> you got the Godzilla music dead on. You got the Godzilla music dead on. Because that is the music from Godzilla. I, uh, now it's in your head. There may only be zero people who appreciate this, but I just started at some point in listening to this thinking, yours truly, Francis Dollarhide. It's a character from Red Dragon, a Thomas Harris novel. It's the, I can edit it out. It's no, no, please don't. Just add some more silence. No, just some, add more silence. No, I some want... tumbleweeds foley. Please, if you got that, please write Tim and let him know. You can give me the... Got it. Right, that's, that's got it. That's what I've earned. Gee whiz, Tim. Gee whiz. Um, so when he got shot on the street, he returned fire? Yes. Okay. I didn't catch that. Earlier in this episode, he clarifies yeah. that so he this guy exchanged walks fire. All around with bullets in him and hides all the pain and everything until the very end. I mean, we all have, walk- right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but he hasn't been walking around. It hasn't been that long. He's been driving around. I think that's a great touch. Just trying to see if he can catch Johnny and finish him off. With bullets in him. Yep. Yeah. And, and then he got know- into the apartment. He knew Johnny was in his apartment because yeah. he watched him go up. Because mm-hmm. he'd been following him, he just hung on and didn't like. He's in a pickle there. Of if I go to the hospital, I got to explain these bullets. I also, understand if he that, kills but, Johnny Dollar in his apartment, that's a lot of explaining to do. But I love love isn't the right word. I find it fascinating that he can act completely normal until where well, you want to go in quietly. No, I've been shot. <laughs> I can now let you know that this entire time I've been bleeding profusely. <laughs> And I am in incredible amounts of pain. And I have been holding it together for about two hours now. And good night. <laughs> uh, Johnny did say he looked really unsteady on his feet, which I think is interesting because I thought it was just because he knew he'd been caught. Right, or had yeah. maybe been out drinking, realizing he couldn't hide it anymore. Sure. I didn't make the immediate connection to he was the one. Well, he had to be the one taking pot shots at him. But yeah, the, the story is that nice combination of satisfaction you because you're able to get there a little bit before Johnny does, but there are enough little details and twists and fun dialogue to make it all worthwhile. Yep. And the gee whiz motif ends up being great. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I also that whole really story. like how hard-boiled Johnny Dollar is in this yep. one. He just takes some bullets and he keeps yep. saying, I'm fine. And it's yep. theater of the mind. So for a little bit, I'm like, I'm trying to just imagine him covered in blood <laughs> saying i'm fine like right sissy spacek levels of blood all uh, over him. <laughs> um it was nice that he also added the, that they completed the loop of and i went out and found this guy's wife and i gave her the reward money yeah yeah i like that and she was in iowa yeah i don't know why but he that. just gave half He's like, but I'm keeping mine because I got shot. How many inches of carpet is (laughs) $3,500? But by today, he had gone there and like shot her, like, okay, I'll give you the whole thing if I can shoot you. (laughs) But in all reality, we're talking using the things you looked up earlier, $3,500 would be about $25,000, by today. Yeah, it would be a good chunk of change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's going to get an apartment like uh, Frank's. <laughs> he's going to drink it all. <laughs> yeah, he's just great because he takes out McCormick with very little regret. She's like, you killed him. Eh, he'll be fine. <laughs> right, right. Walk it off, Spice Boy. <laughs> so what happens to everybody? The, the, the McCormick's, both of them have to go to jail for insurance fraud, or at the very least, right? That is 
Interesting. They, yeah, they, there's their no insurance way. investigator is compromised. Yeah, but they were in on it. She let him steal it. She admitted that and didn't report it correctly. And then he threatened a guy with a gun, for starters, and he knew, well, he didn't know about it. So he may get off, but I think she's going to have to do some time for sure for fraud. I don't think those two get off scot-free. That's what I'm saying. That's a very good point. I don't see how this shakes out where you can explain away Frank, the other insurance guy, and leave the McCormick's, McCormick's out, of out of it. It's probably a sentence that will require paying a hefty fine, but I don't know that it'd be a jailable offense. Because they were under duress. They were being threatened by multiple right. the um, people. F- he was threatening her, she can claim in court. So maybe they do get off. But this much we know, they now have their jewels back. Yeah. <laughs> and you were right in as to a certain degree that they're just sitting somewhere, right. not being spent. Right. You suggested they might be back in the actual safe, but right. uh, they're just in a safety deposit box somewhere. And they're actually, all the money that's being made is from blackmail. Right. And I did not expect the twist of Iris actually being in love with Mr. McCormick. Yeah. And so retroactively, it tells you that the other insurance guy's been lying to Johnny the entire time. Yep. Right up from episode two. And he goes, oh, he's a dangerous guy. Everything he's been saying is to just keep johnny away from the truth as much as possible and johnny just needs scotch that is his only cure for a bullet wound (laughs) yeah i love like it's dragged in by the the doorman who's like like you need to go see a doctor you need to see a hospital and johnny's like you need scotch (laughs) yes (laughs) you know what you need you're telling me what i need baby you need a big glass of shut up (laughs) Bob Bailey is so good in this. Yeah, he's great. He can be... Everybody is. So soft-spoken and mild sometimes, and then just so hard. And it's funny, have you ever seen a picture of Bob Bailey? No. He's just kind of a tall, super gangly, skinny guy. He doesn't look at all like your hard-boiled <laughs> character. Really? Yeah. Well, you remember when his brother Bill Bailey came home? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for jumping on that. Yeah, I I took the uh, hand grenade of that joke. Just to annoy Eric, I looked up what Cosmoline was. It's just what you would think it is. It's a gun perfume. Yes, exactly. Gun perfume. This gun smells nice. (laughs) It's oil just to uh, keep it from locking up. So there's probably still a lot in it. I'm really glad that none of us know what that is. Yeah. (laughs) So... Should we vote? Yeah. Okay. Classic. Absolute yeah. classic. Absolutely my favorite Johnny Dollar. I've really come come around on my Johnny Dollar. Uh, like like I said at the beginning of this, I, the premise was lost on me. But now that I've kind of wrapped my head around it, and not all Johnny Dollars are great, I want to say. I've heard some of them like, yeah, it's okay. But this was fantastic. This was classic. This was a great piece of theater. It's a great piece of storytelling, great acting, great production. It was mesmerizing. And the story itself played out really uh, interesting. And it was fun and great. I agree completely with what you said. And I'm just gobsmacked that this was their first foray into this five-part structure because they did it flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was Bob Bailey's first time with the role because he did it flawlessly. Um, they, they really knew what they were doing from the get-go, and they continued, to the best of my knowledge, to keep doing it awesome. 
Yeah, I agree. It totally stands the test of time. The serials overall are a, a radio classic. I just slightly am more taken with the uh, indestructible Mike Matter, as well as the Nick Shern Matter, the Christmas one. Uh, we listened to that mm-hmm. on a Patreon happy hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all classics. Yeah, and I thought this was better than those two. I like them equally. <laughs> Jeez, we're the three bears. <laughs> all right. Tim, tell them stuff. Hey, go visit ghoulishdelights.com home of this podcast we got other stuff there for you you can vote in polls let us know what you think leave comments on episodes you can send us messages if you have things you'd like us to listen to um, you can also link to our social media pages from there you can uh, click on a link to our threadless store and get some mysterious old radio swag and as we may have mentioned earlier connect to our patreon page yes go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast what more do we have to do to persuade you people you have heard uh the johnny dollar serial all week we have also as i had mentioned previously on these episodes released episode one of our patreon only podcast cliffhangers of doom uh where we will where we are where we did time is so confusing (laughs) (laughs) with these podcast releases uh it is a discussion of city the dead episode one yeah and if you like that you can go to patreon and hear nine more episodes of possibly diminishing quality but we'll (laughs) we won't spoil anything so please and uh keep listening all month we have more uh, previews coming and uh, more exciting episodes yeah, and if you'd like to see us performing live, please come see the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company as we do audio theater live on stage monthly. Um, we do classic uh, recreations of classic old-time radio shows and a lot of our own original work. Currently in the fall of 2022, our home is the Bryant Lake Bowl Theater. Uh, but we've been monthly performing things for almost over five years now, I think. And if you'd like to find out what we're performing this month and where, uh, go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com, and there you'll see what we're doing, links to buy tickets to come see us. And if you can't be in the uh, Minnesota Twin Cities area and see us live, become a Patreon because we film it and you get to see our shows for free. Another advantage to being part of our Patreon audience Um so just for a few bucks a month, you don't have to drive to uh, Minneapolis to see us perform. However, I will say, uh, if you are in the area, the food at the Bryant Lake Bowl Theater is amazing, and it's a great, great night out. Seriously. What is coming up next? Next, in honor of the festive Halloween season, we will be listening to an episode of Suspense starring the one and only Bella Lugosi, the doctor prescribed death. Until then... Look out! I'm Johnny Dollar. Come on.